You've been listening to a sermon audio resource from the ministries at First Baptist Church in Cedarvale, Kansas. We pray that this encourages you and challenges you on your walk this week with Christ. To find out more about what's going on at First Baptist Church in Cedarvale, you can go to our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. Thank you and God bless. We're continuing our study in Colossians, so if you've got your Bibles, go on over to Colossians chapter 3. We're still in Colossians 3. We're just going verse by verse, and just going to see what the Lord has for us. But um, my question, I guess, for us is what would it look like if Christians, if Christians lived out their lives... As Christ had call, has called them to live their lives out. So if, we, if you remember, if we've, we've gone through the text in Colossians 3, the first part of Colossians chapter 3 in the first couple of few verses is getting our eyes off of the circumstances and the things around you in, the, in which the world, we li- in the world we live and getting our eyes on things that are eternal in nature and getting our eyes on Jesus Christ himself. That, that's, that's number one, getting our eyes on Christ, getting our eyes off of ourselves and getting our eyes on Jesus. And then as a result of getting our eyes on Jesus and seeing Jesus as majestic, holy, and the beautiful God that he is, as a result of that, we're going to want to repent of our sins. We're going to want to throw our sin off and we're going to want to get rid of our sinful nature, period. That's, that's, the, that's what happens when you start to see God correctly. When you see God as the sovereign king of the universe, you want to repent and get rid of the scripture says put off all of these things that was last week we talked about putting off our our sins and and walking away from these things and in in the text today what i want us to look at is what we're to put on if we're gonna if we're taking something off we're gonna put something on and we're we're putting off the old and we're putting on new according to the text so that i back to the idea what would it look like what would it look like if christians lived their lives as Christ has called us to live our lives. So, like I said, the next part of the text that we're going to look at is viewing God in this light. When we view God in the light of who He is, as the glorious and majestic sovereign King that He is, this is what happens. So we're going to start in verse 12. So chapter 3, verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, Kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule your hearts to which Indeed, you were called in one body, and to be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, which we did this morning, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we see the text unfold before us and the message to the church 
This is God. Now, this, this is a message that's directed to the church. How do we know? Because it says, then put on as God's chosen ones. So he's not talking to people that are outside of the church. He's not talking to people that are outside of the, the mercy and grace of God. We're talking to the church. We're talking to Christians in this text. Chosen, holy, and beloved here. And as a result of being called into this great gathering of saints, the family of God, this is what we should be doing as fellow bond servants to Christ Jesus. Living out our lives towards one another in this fashion because Christ lived it out for us. So what do we let's look at the first part of it? Put on. So we're putting this on compassionate hearts, kindness. Humility, meekness. Now, humility and meekness can go in the same cart. The hu- hu- humility and meek hearts, that's the same idea. Teachable, pliable, and last there, patience. So I want to pick that apart for a minute. Compassionate hearts. As a, as a follower of Christ, if you truly long and belong to Christ Jesus, this is what you're going to do. You're going to put on a compassionate heart. How many people in the world in which we live just don't have compassionate hearts? They don't have kindness towards one another. There's no humility or meekness towards the things of God. Rather, there's hostility. There's pridefulness. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning about just having a prideful, arrogant spirit. Having an unteachable, bridled mouth and heart. And live in patience. You see, when we're filled by the Holy Spirit, we walk in and through and by the Holy Spirit this is, this is the kind of stuff that will flow out of you. Remember we talked about a few weeks ago about the, the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It's the same idea in the text here. This is what flows out of a believer when we have the Holy Spirit indwelling inside of us. Now, consequently, if we don't have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we will not be putting on these things. Rather, we're going to go back to what, what we talked about last week. What's going to come out of you if you do not have the Holy Spirit living inside of you? You're going to have wrath, anger, malice, slander towards one another, obscene talk out of your mouth. That's what's going to fill your life and your heart if you're not controlled by the Holy Spirit. We have to have, if, if, and that's a good, it's a good indicator, it's a good barometer, it's a sign. If you have those things in your life that are anger, wrath, malice, slander, you've got all that stuff, don't go around saying, hey, I belong to Christ. Because there's probably a good chance you don't. I, I didn't say that, the Bible says that. The Bible says if you live in this state and you have these things coming out of you, what, as Grandma used to say, what's down in the well, go on comes up in the bucket. What's down in the well comes up in the bucket. Did grandma ever used to say that? My grandma used to say it because my grandma used to have a well. I don't know if anybody here's grandmas used to have wells. I know we just turn the water on now and water just flows. But grandma had a... And just cranked it out and we'd dump it out. And sometimes what came out of the well was what? It was gross. We had to clean that out and fix it. Sometimes what comes out of the well is gross, and it needs to be fixed. How do we fix it? The Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God. When you're controlled by the Holy Spirit, what will be modeled by the, what's modeled by the Holy Father, Jesus Christ, what's modeled by Him, is this. Compassionate hearts. How do we know? Because the text tells us these things. Look at this. 
bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord Jesus Christ forgives you. So let's ask the question this morning. Has Jesus Christ forgiven you? Or let me, is Jesus Christ willing to forgive you? If he's willing to forgive you of your treason, he's willing to forgive you of your shortcomings, how dare you hold a grudge against somebody else? How dare you? Because, once again, John Gertzner said, if you claim to be a Christian, yet won't forgive, you're not a Christian at all. I didn't say that. John Gertzner, who was a theologian from a few years back, said that in one of his writings. Um, this is what I, what I see modeled in the scriptures. That's what I see modeled. Let's keep going to verse 13. He continues there. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord Jesus has forgiven you, so you must. Like the word, the word must. What is, you must do something. What does that imply? You, got this. you must do this. If somebody says, well, if you want to do it, you can. That's a different inference. It's a different thing, right? But if, some, if, if, if somebody says, you've got, you must do this, you know that it's a command. This is a command from the Lord. So because you've been forgiven, you also must forgive. And above all else, put on love, which binds everything together. He continues here. You've got to complain against the brother? I, I, I actually put the the text into from the New Living Translation because I like the way it says it says make an allowance for each other's faults how many in the room got faults that's it I was saying wait there are people not raising their hands we've got a bunch of liars in the room okay come on make an allowance for each other's faults forgiving one another who offends you Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Make an effort to extend grace towards each other because of how grace has been extended to you. This changes the game on so many levels. Because when we see each other in the light, and in this kind of light, we realize it's not about us. And then the world, America is all about us. We're the big eye, little you world. Like, that's America. America's big eye, all about me and how awesome I am. And you're a moron. That's, that's, that's America. This has to change, guys. Because this is all about Christ. In 10,000 years, no one's going to remember Caleb Gordon's name. No one's remembering who me. me. But you know who they're going to remember? Jesus. You know what the scripture says? Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that who's Lord? You? Me? Who's going to be Lord? Who do we say is Lord at the end of this? Jesus. It's Jesus that's Lord. And here's the thing. You're either going to... Psalms 23 says, He maketh me lie down. You can lie down and you can be made to lie down. There's going to come a day that if you say, well, I'm not, not me, I'm not saying Jesus is Lord. I don't care who you are. Hitler himself, Adolf Hitler, will put his knee on the ground. Karl Marx will put his knee on the ground. Caleb Gordon will put his knee on the ground and say, Jesus is 
Lord. You know who else is going to? Satan himself. That will come a day. Satan himself will bow his knee and he will say, Jesus is Lord. And then he's cast into the utter darkness for eternity. Along with all the morons that want to follow him. Yeah. But when we begin to see each other in this light, we realize it's not about us and it's about Jesus. And so when this happens, the next step in the progression happens in verse 14. And above all else, put on love, which binds everything together. It binds everything together. We've been instructed by the word in verse 12 to put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And when we make this our focus, love is what naturally flows from our lives towards each other. Have you noticed that when you really love someone, when you really love someone, it binds your heart closely to that person, even if they act ridiculous? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Guys, let me just tell you, I've been an idiot in 13 years of marriage, and my wife still thinks I'm pretty awesome. Do I get an Okay, I, I, almost, I was worried for a minute. I didn't think I was going to get an amen. Because I was like, baby, don't do it. You guys, I'm telling you, this is the kind of love that we need. This is the kind of stuff that's going to change our homes. This is the kind of stuff that, like when Jesus enters the heart, when Jesus comes into the equation, he changes everything about your life. Not just some things. I told you last week, it's not the filing cabinet that just is that one little card on Sunday morning. The entire filing cabinet belongs to Christ. The entire thing is about Jesus. He changes your life. He doesn't change one thing and not the other. He either changes everything or he changes nothing. Jesus either changes one thing or nothing. This is the kind of love that 1 Corinthians chapter 13 loves what I'm talking about. The kind of love that's willing to sacrifice to do whatever it takes to get from one point to another point. And I honestly think like it's the kind of love that you're willing to, to step out of your door and go help your neighbor. Even if that neighbor doesn't look like you, sound like you, talk like you. You're willing to step out of your comfort zone. And here's the thing, I told you, we're Americans, we're comfortable. And that's what I love about this pandemic. It's making some of us uncomfortable. And man, we need to be uncomfortable. Because when we're uncomfortable, that's when we can grow in godliness. Ask the men and women in China who are really being persecuted. Their churches are being torn down. And I, I get it. It's coming for us here. We got persecution light here, but it's coming. I get it. But, this is, but if we begin now to start loving one another this way, when persecution does come, it bolsters the church. It emboldens us to the cause of Christ. And we step out of our comfort zones and we change someone else's life by entering, entering into their equation and showing off the love of Christ to them. And I honestly think the reason we don't like to do this, so many of us, we don't like, man, it's, let me, honestly, it's easier not to engage. Man, it's easy just to shut up and not talk to people. It's easy just to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to harbor up and just, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to do anything. Nope. 
It's way easier to do that. But man, it's not worth it in the long run. Eternally, it's not worth it in the long run. And I think the reason so many of us don't want to do this is because it does take time and it does take effort. And I think that we have so many people in our churches that they don't want to invest time and effort. They want to do their own thing. They want to zone out. I want to Netflix and I want to watch Disney. I want to watch Hulu. I want to watch the news. I just want to zone out. And man, I get it. At the end of the day, it's crazy. Like the world's nuts and we want to just unplug. But this is the time Christians need to plug in all the more. We need to step up the game. We don't need to lay off like, oh, I'll coast for a little bit. Because as soon as you start to coast, that's when the enemy will just baseball bat you to the face. And I, and I think that so many people in the church just are lazy when it comes to doing what the text tells us to do. And let me, it's honestly, it's easier to hold a grudge than it is to forgive. I know. Been there, done that, got that t-shirt. If you want to hear the story, I'd love to tell you some of it. Not today. We, y'all do want to eat, right? <laughs> And like I said before, Jesus will never give us a command that we're not given the resources to accomplish that command. He gives us the resources. And if you notice, when you live your life the way Christ has called you to live your life, there's an overwhelming sense of peace. Even in the midst of turmoil and tumultuous times, there's peace when you follow God's word. Now, when you don't want to follow God's word, it, it can be really messy. It can be messy. When we view Christ as truly the sovereign king and boss of the world and our lives, peace will show up. Let's look at verse 15. How do I know? What's, what's the text say? Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts to which indeed you were called. So God called you into this. God would never call you into something that you could not accomplish by his power, not your power. He he calls you. So when God calls you into something, he provides a way for you to accomplish what he's called you to do. He's not going to be like, hey, do this. And you're like, uh, I don't know what to do. He'd be like, just figure it out, bro. No, he's not going to do that. He's going to say, Here's how I told you to do this. Now, I'm giving you instructions. And I know men don't like to read instructions, guys. I know. Can I get an amen? Wow, really? Just throw me out of the limb, Tyler. Thanks, bro. I saw you, I saw you Wednesday night with those instructions. Yeah, well, I don't need those. We're, we're good. We're good. Did you get that thing built? Fine. Finally. He can't redo it because he did it wrong. Because he didn't look at the instructions. I know. But I'm guilty too. I get instructions. I'm like, eh, it's a picture on the box. We're fine. Okay. But this is what, if we just follow the instruction manual laid out before us, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts to which you've been called by God into one body and be thankful. Holy cow, being thankful, having an attitude of gratitude will actually make your life better. Did you know that's one of the wills of God? One of the, in, First Thessalonians, in First Thessalonians, it tells us the will of God is that you would be thankful. 
People are always like, man, I wonder what the will of God is for my life. There it was in black and white. The will of God is that you would be thankful. Man, because when you're giving thanks, when you're, when you're thankful for something, you don't have time to complain. The reason we're complaining about everything is because we're not grateful for what we've got. Most of us have way more than we've ever, than most of our neighbors. Man. And have you noticed? Have you noticed that that's what happens? Even in the midst of crisis, he brings peace into our lives. I, I, I come back to my mom because that was the most tumultuous moment of my life. But yet I watched my mom lay in the hospital bed, not raise her fist in anger, but it was like she just would sing out, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I know you've got me. Just take me home. You've got me. And she just was, there was no like crazy tumultuous, it was crazy tumultuous on my side, on my wife's, like our family. Like we were like, no. And she was just like, bye. I got this. Well, actually, Jesus has got me. And like there's so much peace when you follow God's commands. Like the world's never fought, like the world's not following God's commands and there's no peace. Like people are tearing stuff up and ripping stuff apart. But when people follow Jesus, because like that is Jesus. Jesus is peace. Jesus is sovereign. Jesus is holy. He is love. And he is good. C.S. Lewis said that, said that he's not safe, but he's good. I love that. He's not, no, he's not a safe God. He's not a nice guy up in the heaven. No, he's a nice fella. He's not safe, but he's good. He's just. And that's what happens is when we follow him, we're justified. And we have so much. To, at the end of the day, you and I have so much to be thankful for. Like I got to wake up. And I'm breathing. How many people do you know didn't get to wake up? And maybe they don't know who Christ is. And they went to sleep and they didn't wake up. And this morning, they've got a hotter place. To, and they think Oklahoma and Kansas is hot. They ain't seen nothing yet. So my challenge for us this morning is this, as a church. That we, that we would be known for our love for one another. Our love for one another. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35 says this. A new command I give you. That you would love one another just as I have loved you. Now how did Jesus love you? Completely. Even though you were messy. Even though you had flaws. Even though you were just... And here's the thing. Before the foundation of the world, God knew you were screw up. But he still came for you. He still followed you. He still wanted you. He came after you. Even though he knew you were a complete jerk, he came after you. How amazing does that make our God? A new command I give you, that you would love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another by this, by this fact that you love one another as I've loved you, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know why the world doesn't realize who we are? Because we're just as cranky as the world. I told you, I say this on often. Most of us in the church look like we've been weaned on Del Pickles. I love the Lord so much. Oh, I love him. 
Somebody, you go, I'm just waiting. Somebody knock it off. I got it, ship. Somebody just knock it off. I'll show you. <laughs> I'll give you a piece of my mind. Some of y'all don't have enough of your mind to give away. Can I get an amen? All right. Like, but this is, I told you all, I, you're like, last week y'all were done with last week's man. I don't, man, I'm ready to move on to the next part of the verse. I told you this week was going to be tougher. It's easy to take stuff. Oh, you know, just take it off. Yeah, yeah. But what do you got to put on? You got because you got you'll be running around naked. You got to put something on. You got to put on compassionate hearts towards one another. You've got to love one another as Christ loved you. He loved difficult people. How do I know? Because he loved me. And my wife can tell you. My kids can tell you. I can be difficult sometimes. Amen. Really, Tyler? That's the only amen I get out of you. I can be difficult sometimes. But I, I, I remember. I remember when I was in the church growing up. My, my parents were church planners. My dad and mom were church planners for the Southern Baptist Convention in Wyoming. We moved back to Oklahoma because both my grandparents came down with lung cancer. And, and we were here to, be, to minister to them. My dad got called to this little tiny church in Pawhuska, Oklahoma called Lynn Baptist Church. There was like eight people and four of them were us. David and I were the youth group. They didn't have a big youth budget. God, pizza. One slice for you, one slice for me. Boom, we're done, right? Like, I remember... Like, I remember being there, and literally our family was the only ones that were there, and I just, it was the only place I'd ever known, and all of a sudden, one Sunday, the back pew filled up with all these people. That was called a search committee. We knew it immediately. Like, like everybody's dressed their Sunday best. Everybody, it was like three women and four men. Like, oh, that's a search committee. I know who that is. But like, Brother Ed, we want you to come and view the call to be our pastor at Trinity Baptist Church in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Dad said, Okay. We'll come take a look at it. I remember going into Trinity as an as a eighth grader. And my parents were in the library for a couple hours. And my brother and I literally explored the entire church. Like we had nothing else to do. Like, let's just go walk around and find stuff. Climbed in the attic. Opened doors that probably shouldn't have been opened. Did things that we probably shouldn't have done. Just, you know, just looking, just exploring. And then all of a sudden... They say, we want you to come be our pastor. Dad says, yes. He says yes to this. And what I didn't realize as an eighth grader is that as the time, that church was dying. Dad told me several years later that if they hadn't done something pretty quick, they were going to have to close the doors. And it, came pretty, it became pretty apparent as to why the church was dying. We had some mean people. Now, Brandon, people, because I know other people listen to this, there were some amazing, beautiful, glorious Wonderful people that were there. But there were some toxic, mean, hateful, begrudging, bitter, cranky people at that church. Like my dad got his ear chewed off because he took a spoon out of a kitchen by the lady. This is my place. Really? My place? That's my pew. That's my kitchen. That's, and there were just like... And my father began to plead earnestly that God would do something in Trinity Baptist Church. And guess what? Within two years, all those people that were cranky, and I know this is going to sound horrible, they all died. Like, I'm not kidding you. Like, Dad didn't pray. God just asked, the, he said, please, Lord, 
do something in our church. And I'm not kidding, they died. Like five of them. They all died within a year or two. Like, boop, gone. I was like, ooh. Don't pray for me, Dad. <laughs> Don't pray for me. Woo, son. But all of a sudden, like, there was just the, the crankiness and the bitterness. It just left. It just left. And what, and this is the thing that I saw in my dad. He prayed for folks. He prayed for answers rather than becoming the guy that was like, I'm going to take you out. I'm going to be a bitter and angry guy too. He just prayed and asked God to do something and God did something. He didn't inv- in exact justice. He let God do that. He just asked God, please do something in our church. I want to see revival. And guys, my heart's cry for this community is that we see revival. I saw somebody post that this morning. Our community needs revival. We need men and women who follow Christ supremely. We need men and women who see Jesus as the sovereign king of the universe. And as a result of getting their eyes on Jesus, the rest of the world is gone. It's over. We don't care. Because we see what Jesus wants for us to do. And we follow him. Guys. Like, this is what I learned from my father. The people in the church are not Jesus. They're fallen and messed up just like you. You need to follow Jesus and not the people in the church. Don't react, but rather pray. Don't react, but pray. They're just flawed. They're flawed human beings just like you are. And I would watch as my father would extend grace over and over and over and over again to people who honestly did not deserve his grace. But he did it anyways. Why? Because the text tells us to extend grace to people that don't deserve grace because we've been extended grace when we didn't deserve it. How do I know? Because the text tells us make an allowance for each other's faults and forgive one another. Forgive somebody that offends you. Remember that the Lord forgave you when you were nasty and messed up. So you must forgive others also. So I don't like that, Caleb. Take it up with the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't write the Bible. I didn't. But this is, this is the opportunity for you and I to live like this. We can change how we engage one another. We can love one another with compassionate hearts. And then as a result of that, the very last thing in the text... Whatever you do, in word or deed, so how you talk to each other, how you treat one another, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you think you could cut somebody out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe, but be doubtful, because the text just told us up here earlier in Colossians 3, get the dirty filthiness out of your mouth. Take that off. So everything that you do, Do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Treat people the way Jesus treated you. And in everything, give thanks to the Father. Give thanks to the Father. Say, man, Caleb, I'm glad that part of the text is over with. Man, I'm scared to come back next week. What happens next week? Well, next week we're talking about husbands and wives. That'll be fun, right?
You've been listening to a sermon audio resource from the ministries at First Baptist Church in Cedarvale, Kansas. We pray that this encourages you and challenges you on your walk this week with Christ. To find out more about what's going on at First Baptist Church in Cedarvale, you can go to our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. Thank you and God bless.